This is Soul to Soul, the show with Nessie. Sub Soul fam, it's Nessie here, uh, back with another episode of Soul to Soul, the show. And actually, this is the final episode of this season. Already season two has come to a close. This is the 40th episode of season two, and therefore we have had 80 episodes of Soul to Soul, the show. It's been amazing these past couple of years. I can't believe we have gotten to this point already, but it's been a massive roller coaster of emotions, mostly outside of what's been happening in the podcast. But the the soul fan has grew, has has grown. Everything grew over the past, you know, especially the last couple of months. I've seen a lot more traffic for listening to this podcast. It's been amazing. So um, after this, I am going to take a bit of a break, a couple of months break, actually. Uh, for the main reason is Kip is starting up again. And those of you who have been longtime listeners of my podcast, Kip's the program where it's the Korean immigration and integration program where you study uh, the Korean language and do testing at the end in order to get a certification. And whatever certification you get, you can get points. The equivalent points of that are for your for your visa, the, the F visa that I want to get. I've explained this in detail in the previous episodes. If you search for like a visa, visa episode, soul to soul or whatever, you'll find it. So last year I did level three, level three is done. Now it's level four. Level four is the kicker for a couple of reasons. Level four is one, the last level where you, it's a, an accumulative of everything that you've studied in Korean so far, particularly the, the last couple of books, which is what I've done. And it is the level where if I pass it, I will have enough points to get that visa. So what I've been doing for the past couple of days, and especially for last week where I, I just couldn't think of anything to do for the podcast, for the final episode, what I have been doing was going through the entirety of the book and translate all the key vocabulary that was there at the end of every chapter. There's 16 chapters. Uh, I'm on unit nine right now. So I'm just going to get all of those done. And I think if I translate all of those beforehand, I will have a better frame of mind for everything. So like I said, it's it's going to be starting next Thursday, next Thursday, the 10th of February, where I'm going to be rushing home from work from one end of Seoul to the other, rushing home, getting, uh, it's going to be four hours every Tuesday, every Thursday and every Saturday, 6.30 to 10.30. So I'm not going to have any social life for about two months. Not that I had any social life anyway, but, you know, my point still stands. And I'm just going to work hard and hard and hard and hard so I'm able to do this because I am tired now. I am really, really, really tired. I just want to be able to get this 
over and done with, I guess. I, I, I think that's the, that's the main mindset. So I'm going to be focusing on that. So it's looking to be that season three will start up again in mid-May. That's the plan. So it's going to be a while with no episodes or anything like that, but I'm going to be setting things up. I'm going to be bringing you much better content, uh, more guests as much as I can, because obviously Corona and everything and the cases are getting a lot more, more extreme <laughs> as of this week, the last couple of days, they're now in the five figures. It's never happened before. It's like four figures used to be like, Oh my gosh, scary. Now we're on five figures. So yeah, once things calm down, though, I know that we'll be able to do more with the podcast, do more with the show, and I'll have uh, better plans for everything that I want to do. So that's going forward. Today, though, I kind of want to do a combination. So I, I was just thinking of uh, a Q&A episode, shout-out episode, but then something occurred around this time last week like Wednesday, actually, let me, let me double, double check what day it was. It was the 27th. So the 27th was, what day is the 27th? 27th was Thursday. So there, I don't really follow this person on, on YouTube, on Twitter or anything, but I did see it crop up because other YouTubers that I follow may, like highlighted this issue. So I remember watching this video a while back. And it's about this guy called Totally Not Mark. Now, Totally Not Mark is someone who does a lot of deep dives into Japanese animation, really popular anime series or ma manga series like Dragon Ball Z, uh, Naruto, One, uh, One Piece. I think he did a couple of Death Note ones back in the day. But he was really consistent with the Dragon Ball Z series because the Dragon Ball Z universe is one that's very huge, very widespread. And it's a series that has been running since the 1980s. And it's still running even up until today. So almost 40 years of Dragon Ball Z, if not 40 years already. So he's been doing that. And back in December, I think it was December, it's either December or November, Toei Animation, the company that owns the right to Dragon Ball Z, uh, set up a cease and desist for him to stop making videos on, you know, Dragon Ball Z. And they removed a good few hundred of his videos from the channel due to a request that they made via YouTube. Now, quite obviously, he was annoyed about this because that's his livelihood. They they work on his vid on these videos for like hours on time. And if he's lost like even losing like a hundred or so videos, that's a massive amount of income that's gone. And it's not just him who's making videos. It's other people who are doing the editing, who's doing the, the, the sourcing of footage or whatever. So if you, especially if this is your full-time job, if YouTube is your full-time job, then you've lost all your money. And that's very difficult, especially in times of the pandemic, where it's not like you can go, well, it's okay, let me go out and find a full-time job anyway, because you can't. It's damn near impossible. So he made a big deal about this, how he was fighting back 
with Toei Animation with the help of YouTube. And on the 27th of uh, the 27th of January, he released a new video uh, with an update of the situation. And it's a really long video, about 20 minutes, but it was fascinating. Like I literally watched this video on my commute to work on the 27th because I was like, okay, what's going on? And he kind of titled it of like, we won sort of. So the situation is that after working with YouTube for a number of weeks, and Toe didn't want to barge on their stance. What Toe did was behind YouTube's back, manually try to remove the videos from his YouTube channel, which like, like, like Toe, YouTube reached out to Toei in Japan and was like, okay, can you please be specific on what bits of content is contentious and is not fair use? And then we will look into this. And Toei was like, oh, nah, ain't nobody got time for that. And they tried to remove it on their own accord. Like they they used some sort of algorithm or something to try and pull the videos for themselves manually. And Mark said, the funny thing is, if Toei actually sat down and was like, okay, let's do these reports and did it manually, uh, so and, and did it via YouTube as per YouTube's request, they there wouldn't have been anything Mark that Mark could have done because YouTube would have gone, well, okay, they've done it. It's per policy. We we see what they're saying. We don't like it, but here you go. And those videos would have been permanently removed. But because they did it behind YouTube's back, so now YouTube was like, well, you shouldn't have done this. So now we're going to be siding with him. But as you know, big corporations like to have a little bit of power behind themselves. So they're being very staunch about it. So uh, the, the, the summary of all of this is, and it's quite a funny resolution, is that YouTube, because Japan's policy of fair use is very different to most of the rest of the world in terms of what can be used and what cannot be used. So what YouTube decided to do is remove the content from YouTube Japan. So if, if anyone in Japan was to search for these videos, they couldn't. But anywhere else around the world would be able to access it because the claim that Toei was making was within Japan. And YouTube said, okay, we've done that. If you were to make that claim in other overseas territories, now then you will have to go through this process once more and state why this is not fair use. So it's kind of like, well, he won, I guess, in, in, in that instance, because Japan is not really a territory that he's looking to target anyway, because Japanese content is mostly in Japan. And a lot of these YouTubers, if they were in Japan, a lot of the time they're targeting outside of, like they're, they're targeting Western audiences who have an interest in Japan. So they're not like, targeting people who are in Japan. So for him, it's no great, great loss. He's looking for people within the Americas, within Europe. I think he's Irish. He sounds Irish. Mark, if you listen to this podcast, which I doubt you would, please clarify if if you are or not. I'm sorry if you're not, but he sounds Irish. So there was all that kerfuffle. And I remember watching this and thinking to myself, this is, I was speaking to my friend Tammy about this. 
And she said, this is a, a great topic to talk about because it just emphasizes my mindset about how Japan deals with content outside of its territory. And I've said this for several years. If Japan was smart in terms of its entertainment and how it spreads its entertainment, J-pop and J-rock would be far larger than what K-pop is today, without a doubt. And I say it like this. I'm in my mid-30s, yeah? I'm, I'm coming towards my mid-30s now. Lord have mercy. Yeah, like, this year will be my mid-30s. So I, before I was into K-pop, I was into proper into Japanese animation and Japanese music. So that was me as like a mid-teenager, late, late teenager. I was into like Naruto, Bleach, not One Piece because it was too long, Full Metal Alchemist, Order High, Stu- High School Host Club. And then I was into uh, uh, Utada, uh, Porno Graffiti, uh, I tried to be LMC, Gact, uh, uh, Amiyumi, like all these artists I was into. And I knew mostly because of like anime openings and endings. But then if an anime show was really popular and they had the really popular intro and, and outro, what people would tend to do is try and find out more songs from this artist. Like Nico Touches the Walls is, an, is a great example because they did uh, one Naruto Shippuden ending and I loved the sound of that. And it got very popular and then they ended up doing a Naruto Shippuden opening like a few few episodes later. And it's to this day, like Diver is Diver. It's one of the most popular Naruto openings of all time. Like Naruto's got like about 20 openings, both Naruto and Naruto Shippuden. But the Nico Touches the Walls songs that they did is like Flow. Flow, Nico Touches the Walls, both of those artists had the two biggest songs in terms of Naruto openings or closings as an artist group. So then when you find out about these songs and these artists, you try to find out more about the music. And I loved the lead singer's voice. Like he was like an unconventional looking singer, quite chubby with glasses and slightly matted hair. But his voice was like, what's the best way of describing it? It was like stepping on, on, on like a fluffy carpet, just really soothing to listen to. Really nice. So that's how I'll find out more about the music. But it was so difficult to find this music online. So, like, in the mid-noughties, people be using, like, torrents and sites like LimeWire where you would illegally download songs and just get all these viruses on your computers and your MP3 players. But that is how you would get all of your, your songs and all your music. But then Japan started to do a crackdown and was like, uh-uh-uh, this ain't happening. And despite the fact that I remember people would queue up for days for a ticket to a J-pop concert. When when Utada came to London, I remember it was huge. It was absolutely huge. But they started taking things off of YouTube. Like once when, YouTube started in 2005, people started trying to upload things on YouTube 
So I remember watching like episodes of Naruto on YouTube because that was the only way that I was going to watch it because I wasn't able to watch it on. I I had no idea how to work torrent sites. I didn't trust myself because it, it was a shared computer that we had. So that was how I used to watch all of these anime series on like these illegal streaming sites. But a lot of the, especially music, it was very, very, very difficult to find full versions of songs. And it was very difficult to find not even just full versions of the songs, but even full versions of the music videos. Like they would do one minute versions of the PVs, what what they were called music videos um, in Japan. And I, I truly honestly believe it got to the point where people just stopped caring because it became so difficult. It's like, well, why should we put all of this effort if they don't really want us to consume this media? And then K-pops started to grow into that void because as the decline of J-pop and J-rock started happening, the growth of K-pop started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it started around in Southeast Asia and it spread out from Southeast Asia into the rest of the world and rest of the territory. And this was about 2008, 2009, because that's when I got into K-pop. So if you got into K-pop around... 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. That's when you started to see the transition from people who were anime fans and into J-pop and J-rock started getting into K-pop because people started uploading uh, music videos onto channels on YouTube. And even if it was not like the proper channel, they would be still left alone because they will know actually yeah we're starting to get interest so like sm was one of the first uh music video com uh channels to sorry one of the first entertainment companies to have like a proper youtube channel to upload all the music videos of all their songs and stuff and then like jyp followed yg had all this all their stuff and then other companies started to follow suit and then they start Creo uh, at the time was still not really sure about YouTube as a platform, but they knew uh, we just might as well put it up there. We might as well because back then the focus was on like Naver and Down because again they were targeting mostly to the uh, the home audience, the Korean audience. But then they uploaded the videos onto the Western platforms because just for like extra insurance. And the tide turned, the tide turned when BTS came about. And what BTS did was upload pretty much every single thing that they did onto YouTube. Now I'm talking about, this was like 2013, 2014. And they had their Bangtan bombs which is like two, three minute videos of them doing something like taking in helium, doing little dances, uh, practicing for, for music show rehearsals, whatever it was. But they would do all of that content and upload it straight onto YouTube. Sometimes with subs, sometimes without subs, but sometimes you didn't really need it because they were just playing around. You didn't really need to understand what they were saying. You knew what they were doing just by watching 
But because that content was readily available to everyone, then people started discovering their music on that same YouTube channel. And then that's how they grew. They were the very first ones to encapsulate that, that kind of of success or that kind of media targeting, not just in Korea, but everywhere. Because I don't think they uploaded the Bangtan bombs on Naver or Dam. Someone can correct me, but I don't think they did. They purely did on YouTube. And it grew. And other idols in Korea started doing the exact same thing. And K-pop grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. To the point where it is now what it is. And I think Japan realized a bit too late. So it's only within the last couple of years, I would say, probably like 2018, 2019, when Japan started to go, oops, well, we need to put our music on these platforms as well. We need to have full videos on on uh, YouTube. We need to have our songs on streaming services like iTunes and on Spotify um, and Google Music. We need to do a lot more. We need to be a lot more accessible. But at that point, me personally, I feel like the, the ship has sailed. And it's stupid because, like, if you look at music videos like early 2000 music videos and for, from Japan and early 2000 music videos from Korea, Japan was light years away, light years ahead in terms of the, the quality, the, the, the directional like creativity, the, the, the content, the things that they would do. It was so, it was so far ahead. Like if you watch a video, any video of media content that Korea had from like even 2004, it looks like that that video was done in 1994. That's how bad it was. So Japan was far ahead. Like you watch Gap to Vanilla in 2000, it feels like a 2000 music video. Whereas a 2000 video from Korea looks, feels like it was from 1988. But Korea caught up really quickly. And I think Japan's problem was they were content with having the second biggest music industry in the world. Because it is. It's the second biggest in the world behind America. And they thought, well, we can self-sustain with Japan only because that's how we've been doing all of this time. We don't need to worry about uh, the American market or the European market or the Latin American market or the Southeast Asian market. Whereas Korea was like, this is our soft, soft power. We realize we're a tiny country. If our music is popular, then let's spread it out to everyone in the world. And that's how we can get our money. Because now, when you think about films, uh, you think about films, you think Korea. You think of songs, you think Korea. You think of technology, which used to be Japan's thing. Like everyone used to talk about Japanese technology. And now it's Korea. You talk, you think Samsung, you think LG, you think uh, <clears throat> Hyundai, like the cars. These are all Korean things now. And that used to be Japan. But they lost the soft power element. And I don't think they realized that the en that entertainment was the way to go. Because 
if you are entertained by things, you're going to find out more about the country. And anime was that platform, but they just didn't take it. And it's a shame because, I, like I said earlier on, I truly believe Japan, like J-pop and J-rock would have been huge, like much bigger. Because also Japanese is a far easier language to access than Korean. Like I've been studying Korean for 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 eight years now and I still struggle with the language. I would be watching anime for five years beforehand before I started Korean and started learning Korean or even more. And I can still watch series now and know what they're saying for the most part because I remember and understand. Like studying like Japanese, the language, like kan- like kanji, that's difficult. But the speaking language I've, I've heard is much easier than Korean. I could have done that. That could have been me. And that could have been multiple people around the world. Because uh, I'm, I've told, I'm being told that hiragana, katakana, very easy to learn. And then I could have been speaking Japanese. It would have been so much more simpler. But they just did not want to open up the doors to that content do they regret it probably i honestly feel like they probably do regret not allowing themselves to spread out their soft power entertainment so they're trying to like rectify that and fix that now if they did more maybe baby metal would have been huger than it than than they are but Again, they didn't really trust. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, let's send them out to all of these places and all of these things. But they didn't think that it would be as big as it was. But, yeah. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. And I, I would like to see... I'll keep an eye on Japan in the next three, three or so years and see how they try to catch up. Because they are trying. Like, a lot of songs you used to listen to, like, 15 years ago or so, is now now only just available on Spotify. So I'm going to see what they're going to do from here on out. I think maybe they've missed the boat for Western entertainment. But once BTS gets older, maybe then is it going to be like a Japanese boy group or a Japanese girl group will take up the mantle. We shall see. We shall see. But congrats, Mark, for winning that case. I'm glad that you're able to continue on with the content. And speaking of content, that's the end. That is it for this season, season two of So to Soul, the show. Guys, thank you so much um, for everything. Thank you for participating uh, in the conversations, joining in. Um, I'm looking at the time. I don't want to make this episode very, very long. So I'm just going to like shout out to, to everyone, all my listeners on Instagram who sent out all the messages, who keep with the conversations, everyone who's been joining my Facebook group. And that has been growing crazily over the past couple of months. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to try and do a lot more YouTube videos now. I understand the the editing software a lot more. But I've just been, been spending these past couple of weeks just trying to get used to the time of work and getting used to the changing hours. Plus, as of next week, I am going to be like head deep in studying Korean. So please, my loves, wish me a lot of luck on that. But I'm I'm still gonna be here. I'm still gonna be on Instagram. I'm still gonna be on Facebook. I am 
going to be on Twitter as well. I'm st- uh, debating TikTok. I, I, I really don't want to go back on there. I'm, I, I, I genuinely cannot be bothered. <laughs> but if if that's something that you guys want, let me know. It, it may have to be, or maybe I'll just wait until the next big platform starts and then I'll get straight on that and I'll be one of the very first on that platform. But nevertheless, guys, thank you so much. If you want to continue this conversation, I am at Solnessi on Twitter and on Instagram. I am Soul to Soul on Facebook and on YouTube. And as always, I will catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for these past 40 episodes, guys. Thank you. I love you. My soul fam, Slaters. Take care. See you in spring. And if you liked that episode of Soul to Soul, why not subscribe and follow this podcast on whatever streaming service you were using to listen. I'll see you in the next episode. Slaters.